Hi, Gary Stone from Sharewell Systems here. Sure, you may be trading stocks, ETFs, CFDs, futures, or even cryptos and FX, but how do you invest the money that really counts, including your retirement savings? Do you do it yourself, or do you feel you lack the strategies and confidence and have instead entrusted your retirement to a managed fund or financial advisor? Or to somebody else to grow and protect your biggest investment? Go to sharewellsystems.com and download a case study that dissects a real money portfolio which has achieved a return of double the ASX 200 accumulation index since January 2016. Sharewell Systems is proudly powering the spotty Your Call Hour right here on Ticker. This is Spotty with Alio D'Amato. Hello and welcome to Australia's Hour of Investing Power, the show that's as great as you want it to be. This is the Your Call Hour on Spotty, where for the next 60 minutes we get to shine the spotlight on shares and answer all of your questions live on air. So how do you ask your questions, you might ask? Well, you can uh, text us on Dexter. Uh, that's our text machine's name now. That number there is 0480-079-089. Or you can email us at question at spotty.com dot au uh, you will see those contact details appear throughout the show at the bottom of your screen so there's no need to memorize them although if you put them in your phone or put them in your email contact list it'll make it easy for you to ask them next time round. speaking of which though we'd love to see some first time long time questions uh, come through today so please if you're feeling like you need a uh, scratch that has to be itched then by all means feel free to send it through to our guests. Oh, and if you're one of those people that keeps sending them through incessantly, look, continue to do so, please. Otherwise, we might not have a show. So thank you very much for your contributions there. Uh, let's bring in today's chief spotters, uh, both of which are highly experienced in this format of the show. Starting with the man of the people, the straw man with a brain, it's Andrew Page from strawman.com. Uh, g'day, Andrew, how are you going? And first, congratulations as well uh, from all of us here at Spotty for hitting the 10,000 member mark at strawman.com. Well done, mate. Uh, thank you very much, Ilya. Yeah, big milestone. Very happy to have hit it. Um, jumping from 9,000 only a month ago, so it's good to see a bit of traction. Yeah, rising as quickly as COVID rates, I'm told. Uh, but no, look, in all seriousness, though, for those that don't know strawman.com, tell us about the wonderful investment community that you've created. Yeah, it's just that we, we try to create an online space for investors to get together and share ideas. But the big thing that makes us different is that we provide some accountability around that. So all of our members have $100,000 in play money. They can paper trade the market. And it's a way of just sort of presenting their ideas. Um, they can also build uh, shared company reports. And it's all, it's all peer reviewed. It's all, it's all moderated by the community. So we try to rank the best performing stocks, the most, the most popular companies, uh, and the best research there. So when you get there, you cut out all the noise uh, that is so, so common with, with so many other platforms. And you know, not only is the community growing really well, but that those community picks, as we measure by the Strawman Index, have absolutely thrashed the market. So we're really chuffed. We've got a, we've got a smart community of investors, and it's just going from strength to strength. Yeah, I, I must admit, I'm a keen watcher of that Strawman Index, and you're right, Andrew, it has been shooting the lights out. So for those that haven't gone and visited Australia's largest real investment community, then please, by all means, do so and uh, join in on the fun. Uh, you never know what you might find. Uh, okay, so now it's time for our next guest. Now, he's our resident wave rider. He's a part-time bell ringer and also part-time president of the Professional Technical Analyst Association. It's David Hunt from the Profit Hunters Group. Hello, El Presidente. How are you doing? How are you? How are you? I'm good. I'm great, thanks. How are you? Yeah, very well, very well. And uh, thankfully, your uh, timing on charts is a lot better than you appearing on the show. Geez, you run always fine, uh, David. But look, nonetheless, we're glad to have you on. Uh, tell us a bit about do. the Profit Hunters Group, just so everyone gets an understanding and a flavour of the way you like to look at markets. Thanks. Okay, the way I like to look at markets is using cycles. I'm a, 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 I was trained as an economist, so I have some economics background. And then I learned charts uh, in my corporate treasury area and funds management. So what I started to do was recognize that um, movements of markets move in emotions and waves. And so eventually I found a thing called Elliott Wave Theory. And I eventually found other things called GAN, WD GAN, and learnt about market timing. So my um, my approach is to a bit like um, what uh, Andrew Strawman is, is to have a group of people who are actually uh, specialists in their areas, traders, stockbrokers, financial planners, 
And what they do is they ask me questions at profithunters.com.au and the membership site, and they ask me about their stocks. I, I show them what I see and, and present on what things that I do in webinars in the mornings, uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. I've just finished that. So Mondays is a little bit tough on me. It's the biggest day today. So I do my forecast for tonight. Um, and so that's why I like the Thursdays earlier. Yeah, <laughs> I got it. I, Don't worry. They're I'm, coming, I'm, David. I'm They're coming. <laughs> so during during the days, during the during the days, people ask me questions. And for example, um, you know, what I do is I then answer their questions and say, hey, you can buy here, you can sell there. Maybe they're using uh, straw man. Maybe they're using the old Lincoln indicators from uh, Stock Doctor from, from Elio's uh, oh, former life. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, Scaffold and, and, and softwares like that to choose their stocks or maybe they're listening to their analysts when, if they're in a stock broker. And then they, they are, come to me and say, where can I buy this? Where is my stop loss so I can protect myself against an adverse move? And where is my likely target or valuation? So people can work with both technical analysis and fundamental analysis, hand, hand in glove, if you like. And um, I see that as a, a, as a good way of managing their risk and um, yeah, people seem to like it. I've been, been, had, had customers say, hey, I've been with you for 10 or 11 years and um, they're still there. So yeah, fantastic. And um, moving as, as people evolve, beginners become experienced and, and moves on. So my philosophy is every bit of information is useful. Some, is, some is, can be focused on at one point in time. And then from there, we work it into the group um, and profithunters.com.au. If people want to have a look at it, you can see posts and trades. And I might even show up some of the things that I was I posted up for members today. Excellent. Thank when you. We look at the, the markets. Yeah, thank you, David. So there we are, folks. We're locked and loaded with two experts who know their stuff. So get your questions in now. But before we get started, just a reminder that all the information in this recording today is of a general nature only. It doesn't take into account your financial objectives, situations or needs. And therefore, should you decide to act on any of that information, you need to do so in light of your own personal circumstances. Past performance is no indicator of future performance. Uh, some of you might be saying, thank heavens for that. Otherwise, uh, some of you might be saying, damn, should be, uh, hopefully this could keep going. But look, you know, that's the market. It can be volatile. If you want to speak to anyone about any of the content discussed today, then you need to do so with a licensed advisor. Unfortunately, you can't ask us any of those questions. Uh, we can't discuss that on a personal level. And uh, for the next hour, Spotty is proud to be powered by our sponsors, ShareWealth Systems. Since 1995, ShareWealth Systems has helped investors protect and grow their share portfolio with a rules-based investing approach that gives them an edge over others. If you wish to learn more about the team powering our spotlight, then please go to their website, sharewealthsystems.com, and be sure to read all the relevant information before making any investment decision. Now, as we go to where the market is currently up, 0.6% uh, for the All Lords, 0.73% for the 200. So All Lords taking a bit of a break today relative to the uh, large cap guys. Um, and actually that's quite a bit down on the highs of the early morning. So interesting to see how this plays out for the remainder of the day. Okay, so it's now time to go into our questions. Um, I'm gonna ask the first one of you, Andrew. It's a stock that has been really interesting in the whole retail space. The stock is uh, Accent Group, uh, code AX1. Uh, the question uh, comes from Craig, says he's been watching it for a while, would like our opinion on the stock. He also notices that it pays a nice 5% dividend. It's also uh, undervalued. Now, um, it's been an interesting one because uh, it had a massive uh, problem pre uh, the whole COVID-19 thing when it got into um, uh, Hype DC and the like, and then Brett Blundy came on board and turned it around and fixed it all up. But its price has sort of fluctuated a little bit uh, since then. So um, with regards to uh, AX1, do you have a view on where it uh, sits at the moment? Because some would say it's uh, on the precipice somewhat. Yeah, look, I mean, the first thing to, to state here is that, that retailers, as a general rule, are a very uh, tough area to invest in. Um, it is extremely competitive. Uh, consumer sentiment, tastes, um, uh, economic muscle swing wildly. So you can even have wonderfully run companies that just suffer a string of bad luck. So it's, it, it's a tough space to invest in. And as a general rule, I tend to, to focus on other areas. That being said, um, Accent have, have actually had a really remarkable run. When you really zoom back and have a look at what these guys have done, they've, and this is a predominantly, historically, a brick and mortar retailer too, mind you. 
and and they've been looking at um, uh, per share earnings growth on a compound annualized rate of about 15% since 2010. And that's just wonderful. Most recently, uh, they're reporting their EBITDA growth of, of 10%. And what they've done remarkably well is they have transitioned to this new reality of online sales. In fact, 23% of their sales now come online and they invested heavily in that area. So we've seen other traditional retailers try to make that move. Um, uh, Myers comes to mind and most of them don't do very well in this and they have been thoroughly disrupted and we've seen the pain that, that has happened here. These guys are doing really well and what's what's more impressive, they've done very well during this whole COVID situation as well. In fact, like for like sales were up 7% in May and June. So this is, this when you can, when you can sort of boast a range of um, achievements like I've just done there for, for a retailer over an extended period of time. You know that management are doing something very, very right here. And yet, despite all of this, you're looking at a company whose PE is on about 12 and it's yielding about 5%. Hmm. So I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't dare to necessarily call it cheap because, again, I am mindful of the, the volatility in the fundamentals that you can see with these kinds of businesses. But I think it looks very interesting at this point, and I can see why the viewer would, would, would want would um, an added perspective on it. I think it's definitely worthy of, of closer scrutiny. Yeah, and look, I mean, you mentioned that online stuff that really flew. The other thing that makes them a little bit more resilient is the distribution arm. So it's not just they're making money only on the front end clicks, but also through the back end in regards to owning some of the distribution rights on those brand names that they've been doing so well on. And let's not some forget that. And, and yeah. you can't and you can't underestimate the power of the wallet of the millennial, which somehow seems to defy any logic and reality. Just ask uh, Peter, who asked about buy now, pay later stocks. We'll go into that in a moment. David, very quickly, though, because um, we've got a stack of stocks coming through today. I know you just, you've been mucking around with those charts there. So you've got pretty much a well-oiled view on AX1, don't you? Sure. Yeah, beautiful. Um, it's done the classical retracement that we look for in Elliott Wave Theory at the moment. Um, on, on to the top side, you can see this up here. This is straight out of the textbook. I don't particularly like it, but I don't particularly hate it for a couple of other reasons. I think you should see it down to probably about 94 cents or $1.18, certainly in the shorter term. Um, that risk comes into play on a break below $1.25. So at the moment, I wouldn't be buying it unless it showed me a cheaper price down around about, probably around about the 94 cents to, to about 80 cents. That sort of zone, I wouldn't mind picking it up and seeing how it goes. At the moment, yeah, I, I don't see the point in, in owning some of it right now. So, Andrew, just in regards to the buy now, pay later, I sort of gave that um, view there. Uh, just a back of the envelope, very quick summation in regards to what's occurring there. I mean, we've seen Sezzle come back online after raising capital at $5.40 and the share price flew on the back of that. Just an amazing stag profit. It's just... The market really can't get enough of this sector, uh, can it? So, you know, what sort of advice would you give, you know, perhaps more novice, newer investors who, you know, maybe this is their only source of finance information that they're watching given the, the target market here at Ticker. What sort of, you know, sage advice would you give them um, when you're seeing, you know, a sector that's just absolutely red hot at the minute? The best advice I can give, and this is evergreen advice, and this, this is true in all, all situations, is don't get suckered in by a, a share price that's just being shooting towards the moon. Um, there might be really good reasons for that. Shares could double, triple, and still be cheap. Um, but you don't know, really, until you look at what it is you're buying. You know, you're buying more than a ticker symbol here. You're buying a bit of a business. And we know that people can do really badly in really, really good businesses if they pay too much. You know, so Afterpay, for example, at the moment is trading on 58 times sales. Yeah. So forget profit, forget profit. That's just the start. That that is, and 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 maybe that's not terrible. If if, but the bet here is really, if you're in into this space, is that you're looking for a massive global disruption in the payment networks, which is possible, and you're looking for companies like Afterpay to really dominate in that space. And by the way, if that happens. 58 times sales is actually dirt cheap. We'll look back in many yeah. years and go, wow, what a, what a bargain Afterpay was at $60. But that's the bet. And you have to remember, if anything, if anything falls short on that expectation, there's, there's one thing and only one thing that will correct, and that is the price. 
And we saw Afterpay at $8 at the start of the year. So I'm, so I'm focusing more on Afterpay here because I know it better. So mm. I, I, would, I would also say here too, is that when you look at history and you look at the, the companies that have benefited from these massive structural shifts, is that A, they always look expensive, and B, even when they do go on and ultimately deliver really, really great long-term returns. I'm talking about these monsters that compound at 15, 20% on an annual basis for a decade or more. These are, these are lifestyle changes. Don't think that that, 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 that is achieved in a, in a one-way uh, direction. Um, these companies have massive pullbacks along the way, huge volatility, and that's normal, even for the companies that succeed. So what you really want to do here is throw is is, is forget about this this fear of missing out and this hype and look at the business. What's it doing? What do you think it's going to do? What's a sensible price to pay for that? Do your homework. This is your this is your savings that you've probably worked very hard to build up. You don't want to throw it away on on some on you know what you saw in some Facebook you know trading message group. It, it's it's crazy. So take a breath. Even if you miss it, there's always an opportunity around the corner. Just stay rational. Well, David, what's your view on the modern day tulip? I mean, of course it was lithium not all that long ago. There was Bitcoin and now yeah. it seems to be the buy now, pay later. Let's focus just on Afterpay because Andrew gave us that great dissertation there. Your views in regards to price action for what has to be one of the most talked about stocks of 2020. Yeah. Well, my history is you probably see that you can't see the chart here but let's turn me off and put the screen on um afterpay has been extraordinary i argued with this a long time ago because i saw, saw that as simply lay by now i've changed my mind once i started talking to my sons and my nieces and nephews they don't want to own credit cards so they're actually gravitating away from visa mastercard american express and they're doing this and they're paying it back. When they don't pay it back, they get stolen off in spades, just like they, like credit card companies would do it. So do I like the idea of it? Not really. I'm used to credit cards. I'm an old, I'm an old fart. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, reality is that this is what the latest generations are doing and that's what their businesses are. So after pay, we started, uh, I started recommending buying it at 12 bucks. It went to $30. I thought it was too much. Uh, I got people to take some profit and um, then they took some profit and then it went up. And then so all of these things, I'm reminded of Tesla, right? At Tesla at 400 bucks, we thought it was ridiculous. I'm looking at the chart here. You know, it went to, I think, just under, four, just under $400. And everyone said, that's stupid. That's stupid. This is December 2019, right? 2018. Then it went up to nearly a thousand, just under a thousand dollars earlier in um, in February. Then it crashed down to 300 bucks, and and now it's up at 1500 bucks US, right? This stock does not muck around. It got a bad report on on Friday because it reduced its price on Model Y. Who knows? This is cloud cuckoo land now. So. Sometimes you just have to put down a couple of thousand dollars if you've got a couple of thousand dollars spare and have a dig at some of these things because you never know where the lottery ticket will, will lead you. These are like lottery tickets and, so, and, and the moment after pay is working because of the generational shift in the way people are accessing credit. And so I, I kind of get the idea why these afterpays are going up. And at the mm. moment, while nobody has a clue what's going on in the world, whether anything we're being told is real and you know we're being lied to every day by various politicians we're lied to by the world health organization we're lied to by the world economic forum all of those people are lying to us which is the bigger lie i don't know the stock price is going up that's not lying the stock price is going up so sometimes you have to have a dig this is a trader mentality andrew has a, as an investor would have a different mentality about it Sometimes you can just have a flutter and who knows, you, you know, your $2,000 investment in Microsoft 30 years ago becomes, you know, a couple of million dollars. That's what happens. Sometimes those things just work. And who well, would believe that? Yeah, know. sorry, David, I just got to jump okay. in. But yeah, you're right. I mean, look, obviously that sort of uh, having a go is really a mentality in the market at the moment, as we've seen a lot of these stocks pick up from quite low levels. So um, I will bring it back though to uh, current discussions um, uh, just in regards to a, a question that came through uh, from Philip. 
One of the stocks that he wants to know about, Andrew, is Objective Corp, OCL, which is really interesting in light of now the recent discussions around Technology One. Not saying they're related, they're very different businesses, similar sort of a, a field though. Um, Objective Corp, OCL, uh, close to all-time highs. He just wants our view in regards to uh, that business and whether it's uh, the strength of its government contracts are enough to uh, continue the recent trend heading northeast. Yeah, look, Objective Corp is one of these hidden gems on the ASX that's been there for ages. Yep. And they have just delivered year after year after year. It, it's, it just ticks so many boxes. It's founder led. The guy who had a whole bunch of his own money in the company. Their accounting is incredibly conservative. They expense all of their R&D. They uh, have all of the attributes that you love with, with software companies. 75% of their revenue is recurring. Their clients are government-based, so they're very dependable. They're very, very sticky. The balance sheet is, you know, it's a fortress balance sheet. There's no debt. There's thirty million odd dollars in, in cash there. It's a capital light business. You know, they 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 commit. I think it's something like twenty percent of their of their um, revenues to R and D, and have done forever, which just means that they maintain their position. Um, at the top of the competitive stack there. And the other thing that I like to point out with Objective Corp is that it is a masterclass in capital management. Uh, Tony Wallace, uh, founder here, has, has just done some exceptional things. What you tend to see when you look at a business on the ASX and you bring up its share count, generally speaking, because most companies on the ASX are loss making, that share count increases every year because they run out of cash and they have to, they have to pass the hat around. Well, Objective Corp is, has done the opposite. So since 2008, in the, in, in the midst of the GFC, they were in the market hoovering up as many of their own shares as they could. So in fact, between 2008 and today, they've reduced the to total number of shares that they've got on issue about, by about 32%. So remember, the company is the company is the company. We can cut that pizza up into many slices as we like. But for those that didn't participate in any of those buybacks, you know, the, the shares that they hold have come to represent a larger and larger proportion of that overall company. So over that same time period, you've seen profits increase by about 47 odd percent or so, um, which is, uh, sorry, you've seen profits growing by 310% in that period, get my numbers right, but per share profits have climbed 500%. Yeah. And I know recently with the COVID sell down, they was buying some more shares as well. They've never had any debt. They've never had to raise any external capital. And they've just been printing cash like all, all tomorrow. Now, it looks expensive. And I would say it probably is expensive. When you go to strawman.com, our community have a consensus valuation of about $8.60 or so. Um, some of our uh, more astute members have rightly pointed out that because they're not expensing um, uh, a lot of their R&D, most companies choose to capitalize that. Uh, because they're transitioning to a subscription model and away from a capital model. You've had some quirks in here that tend to mask uh, the statutory profit. Um, so, so I would bear that in mind for those that are just looking at it simplistically from a PE ratio perspective. But look, I think if you wanted something for the bottom draw, I think you could do far worse than buy this. If you want it to be a bit fussy, probably worth waiting for a bit of a pullback though. All right, David, so sticking with the whole uh, government contract thing, a company that does a similar thing, but on the very opposite end of the market cap scale is AD1 Holdings. Um, AD1 is their code. Um, only a very small stock. It's had a really strong price breakout on the back of an extension of a Victorian contract uh, or contract with a Victorian government. And as well, it's got its tentacles into the New South Wales government um, at the moment. So um, that's led to that recent aggressive pop in the share price. So um, without much uh, lead in regards to previous uh, price action, and, and to be honest, very little research on the business, what's that price action telling you at the moment, David, here? Is this one of those ones where you can throw a few shekels at it perhaps? Um, yes, but probably more down at about the uh, 2.3 2. cents area. It's had a big, as it had, it's had a huge run up, as you can see. It's got a fantastic base, and so really nice in the way that it's done it. It's had great volume on the upside, but often when you get these big explosions to the upside, and it's a, a small illiquid stock, it'll settle back down to where it broke out from, and that's the 2.3 cents mark. So at the moment, 
I wouldn't be buying it. It's currently around about that uh, 3.9 cents. So for me, look, look, I'd, I'd be waiting, just uh, just sitting, sitting there, waiting to waiting for it to come back, waiting for people to get disappointed. Uh, it is a bit of in a confused state uh, in the way that it's trading now. It's done a right retracement, so it'd be probably looking if you've already bought it, look up towards that 5.7 cents to 6 cents and have a stop loss around about that 3.5 cents and then look out for another decline down to that 2.3 cents, then get serious set up. It has been a crappy little fly stock in you know, fly spec stock in the past. And believe me, there's probably still that same sort of behavior going to reverberate through mm. the price action. It will, it may, it will be probably fantastic in the longer run, but I'd like to get set in a lower risk place. All right, well, let's talk um, about then another stop. Oh, sorry, David. Yeah, no, sorry about that. Apologies. Yeah. Uh, just another stock because we were just powering through them because the machines are going into meltdown. So we're going into power mode a little earlier, uh, gentlemen. Um, David, I will stick with you on this one. Narada, uh, their code is NYR. Now, for those that don't know, they're a, um, a little junior biotech business. Um, at the moment, the main drug they're working on is a... Uh, drug to reduce cholesterol and the like. And they came out with an announcement the other day where its share price had a bit of a pop um, on the back of that. It were actually very promising results um, that they were going to be publishing in a little journal that's obviously very important for these guys. And the early indications are that there was some, um, you know, uh, good reductions are actually seen. Now, the share price did jump on the back of that, but it has retraced in the last few days. Now, it's one of the favourites of another chief spotter of ours, Tony Lacantro. I think he's one of the major top 20 shareholders in the business and he's spoken many times on this program um, in regards to Narada. So I won't tap Andrew for his uh, fundamental view because uh, Tony's sort of in it up to his eyeballs and you can just go and have a look at some past <laughs> episodes to see um, what his view is there. But David, I will get your view in regards to price because uh, that retracement may be worrying given that uh, some thought that the announcement was particularly good. Yeah, my, my concern is, and this is a weird one, right? It's, uh, I have these strange notions that I've built up over time and experience that quite often when a stock is goes down straight after it's born, it's been bored bad, right? Now, with respect, with respect to Tony, I appreciate what he saw and it certainly had a good run and I do remember him saying that, fantastic run run up after, well after he spoke about it because he was speaking in, in this sort of basing area. It's come back down. It hasn't finished the month. If it can finish the month above 25 cents, then I think it's great. What I didn't like is that it broke down below the price, le price level at which it was first floated and which it was born. So the born time is bad, in other words. And what I suspect is that the management or the the group of people who have control of it sat on top of it as soon as it hit that 30 above 30 cents area and forced it back down. It's back down into value. So if you wanted to have a nibble at it with a stop loss below 16 cents, I wouldn't argue about it, but this is purely punting money. This is money you would not want to risk that you, if you have to pay the mortgage, if you have to do feed the kids, don't use this money here. But this is kind of an area where I'd have a go at it with a tight stop loss if it, the conditions presented right. At the moment, I can't see the conditions being super presenting right until just below uh, 20 cents. So down there, I'd, I'd give it a go. Again, it's a fly spec stock. So you really need to just have a little bit on it if you're gonna have anything on it. And that's, that's what I'd suggest and stop below probably 18 cents shorter term if you wanted to get in with a tight stop loss. Now, Andrew, a little bit larger in market cap, though, some would argue just a speculative, particularly with the demise of uh, traditional fossil fuels as Whitehaven Coal. Uh, Nick from Adelaide has actually asked for a fundamental analysis view um, on Whitehaven Coal. Their code is WHC, of course, for all of you watching at home. Um, what's your view in regards to uh, Whitehaven right now as it's currently positioned? You've caught me a bit unprepared here, Elio. I, I, I'm not familiar with Whitehaven Coal. It's a space that I, I don't invest in. Um, well, that probably so, tells, that tells us something as well, though, doesn't it, Andrew? 
Yeah, I, I think it does. I mean, I, I, look, pe people, there's no right or wrong way with the market. You've got to find something that works for you. And, and I found that this space doesn't work for me. And I'd back that up with some pretty hard reading statistics um, on, on the sector. So look, for me, broadly speaking, anything that deals with a commodity is something that has no pricing power. Is anything that where any time there's a spike in demand, it's going to eventually be met by a supply side response. Um, on top of that, you've got a whole bunch of environmental factors uh, as a concern here as well. Don't want to get into that debate, but whether you believe that or not, you know, it's, it's still having a real world impact on operations and regulatory conditions and the rest of it. So uh, the, the thing I, I tend to sort of say to investors is as well is that, you know, you really don't want to be someone who's like a mile wide and an inch deep in the market. There's 2000 stocks out there. Choose your hunting ground. Go with the area that you're most, you have a, a, some kind of an edge in and just focus relentlessly on that and get to know, you know, a, a dozen or two stocks intimately, intimately well. And the rest you can forget. You don't, you know, this is Buffett talks famously about this. This is a no strike game. You know, people will be throwing you pictures all day long. You can ignore most of them. And I'd ignore with most companies in this space, you should be, you should be ignoring, um, you should be ignoring the pictures from them. They just traditionally don't work out well. Now I've said that, so Whitehaven will probably triple in the next few days, but I, I won't lose too much sleep over it if that's the case. Well, David, you got 20 seconds. Will Whitehaven triple from here or is that a negative downtrend now well and truly set in? And really other than a small few bips, there's really not much more to be made. <laughs> the thing sucks basically, uh, at the moment. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, have, I have a go occasionally with this. Uh, where am I? I've got the wrong camera on. Goodness. Um, yeah, the thing sucks. The trend has been terribly down. I don't see that changing. I see it probably disappearing up its own fundamental orifice. Uh, eventually, uh, 17 cents is my current target on the, on wow. the most drastic on the downside if it wow. survives. 34 cents is also reasonable. Um, absolutely agree with what Andrew said. Um, there's no point being involved in this sector, um, particularly Whitehaven, which used to be king as far as I, I'm concerned. I've seen no reason to, to not dislike it. <laughs> so, All right, then. Unlikable uh, no, you said it perfectly, mate. Uh, that uh, 17 cents uh, target still ringing in the ears for those that unfortunately have held on to this underperformer for far too long. Uh, just remember, though, that if you want to send your question through, now you'll have to be quick because uh, they've piled up and I don't know if we'll fit any more in, but please uh, email us a question at spotty.com.au or text us 0480 uh, Just a little note in that email, it's questions. So it's not plural questions, it's question at spotty.com.au. Remember, you can also watch recordings of this episode on our website at spotty.com.au. And if you want to follow us on social media, uh, be it either on Facebook, um, uh, which is uh, Spotty TV, uh, or myself on LinkedIn uh, and um, also Twitter, uh, you can keep abreast as to who's coming on the show next time, as well as all other fun bits of information. Um, and also remember, this episode is also available as a podcast too, available on all your favourite podcasts. Uh, channels. Now, remember last week I mentioned that the team powering our Spotlight, ShareWealth Systems, have committed to another round of the program. Uh, Short-term decision relevant to, relative to the 25 years that ShareWealthSystems.com has been in business, helping self-directed investors remain in control and calm in any scenario following a verified investment process that allows them to do better by doing different. Now, you can go to their website, ShareWealthSystems.com, where you can um, hear uh, some interviews from some uh, members, and you can also read a real-life case study. And I'm told that they're going to be updating some content on the website this week. So stay tuned for that in order to read what they've got to say. Now, ShareWealth Systems is a proud holder of an Australian financial services licence. However, should you wish to talk to someone about shares on a personal level, then you must do so with an advisor who is licensed to do so. And remember, past performance is no indicator of future performance. But just like our esteemed guests here today and ShareWealth Systems, you don't end up in this game for over two decades by accident. Now, at the moment, as we go to air, the market is currently uh, up a little bit now. Um, the XJO up 0.9%. The All Ordinaries up 0.77%. So uh, we're uh, definitely uh, lifting the tune of market sentiment. And we're about to power through a whole lot of other stocks. 
So uh, hang on to your hat, folks, because it's going to get exciting. Let's keep it with the whole, um, you know, you wanted to steer away from the political righteousness of Whitehaven, Cole, Andrew, but I'm going to drag you back in, but I'm going to do so on the opposite end. Uh, I'm going to talk about uh, company AEF, Australian Ethical, uh, a fund manager that invests in uh, ethical investments. It's actually a favourite of uh, your once, uh, Commandante, um, uh, I've got Scott Phillips, of course, from The Motley Fool. He uh, believes that there will be enough you know, broader market uh, appetite for a product like this. AEF, is it one that's come over your radar, uh, Andrew, and, uh, or is it one that your members are discussing at the moment? Yeah, no, it doesn't get a lot of coverage. I guess we're more self-directed stock pickers. Mm. So yep. you know, when you go with a fund manager, you, you're, you're outsourcing, and absolutely nothing wrong with that whatsoever. In fact, yep. I think that's a really sensible approach for most people. But, but for the reasons I explained, we don't dive into it much. But I, I will say this. There's, there's thousands of funds out there, like literally thousands of them. And, and as, as a general rule, most of them don't tend to perform that well when you strip out fees uh, and the rest of it. But AEF, uh, credit where credit's due, they have, they have delivered an exceptional return for their investors. Um, and the, their, their investment track record is, is really nice. I mean, in fact, they, they actually just upgraded their earnings target because they had a really nice performance fee that they won by, I think they doubled the performance of their benchmark last year. So um, r really, really great. The thing, to be, um, the thing to be mindful of when you're looking at any kind of fund manager is, well, who's running the show there? Um, there's a lot of key people risk in that. So if the star stock pickers go somewhere else, um, that's that's something to be aware of. Fund flows are very a big factor here as well. They make uh, a percentage of funds under management. So when people get scared and withdraw their money, there's less money. Uh, there's a, there's a less a smaller pool of funds for, for them to earn, earn a fee on. Um, and likewise, not just people withdrawing their money, but when markets go down, that that reduces it as well, and also makes it harder to get that performance fee. So. You, you do have to bear all of that in mind, but if you were going to pick um, a, a fund manager, I think you could do far worse than AEF. Okay, so I've got a question now, David, actually. I've got two about this stock, so this must be one that's uh, running hot either on the forums, Facebook, or something like that. Unfortunately, it hasn't had a really good run recently. The code is CDY, the company is Selmid Limited. Um, the question was um, yeah. asked by Anonymous on the text machine and also uh, just having a look here who asked it on, uh, oh, Michael, he asked me, actually he uh, got me on LinkedIn, actually hit me up about this one here. He says that the company has a lot of fingers in a range of different testing pies. They're looking at supplying things like, you know, COVID research involvement now. Its share price has gone into trading halts, it's spiked, it's retraced, it's been all over the shop really, really hard to get a read on this if you look at the price chart. So. Just wondering whether there's anything in cycles uh, at the moment that could help provide guidance because at the moment it's heading to sub 10 cents. And for old stock dogs out there, you know that once you cross that threshold, it's really hard to crack up above it again. Um, so um, yeah, just interested in your thoughts, David. Okay, well for me, um, I've, you can probably see this on screen. This is what I answered for my um, members today. Uh, we're looking at sell med uh, medium term and long term. Long term means for investors, medium term means for people who like to hold between three weeks to six to eight months. Um, and I've said this is a bear market rally. I've simply said be careful. Now I'll do some more deeper analysis. Uh, there's more to go that I've got to prepare for, for my people. But what we can see here is uh, with CDY, sorry, you got me on the other one. Um, on this one, CDY, we've seen it do a, a big retracement up on the monthly charts. It's been in a bear market trend for a long time. Look at that. That's just been, where was it up here? Some ridiculous price like $2, $2 area. <clears throat> and so it's done a retracement. I really don't like it if it breaks down below $0.09. Cents. Elio, I think you're right. It's falling on uh, increasing volume. It's not the right sort of stock to get involved with. And as Andrew said, you don't want to be a mile wide and an inch deep. And the thing that alerted me was when I saw that question about how many fingers they've got in each pie. I mean, I've been guilty of that many for, for over the years of trying to do everything to all men or all men and women or all men and whatever personal You classify yourself as, yes, we're very inclusive so here. You classify as yourself. So, and, and, and so 
So a breakdown below that eight cents, nine cents is bad. I, I don't think it's good. That rally is not great. The last rally recently was not great either. So they're probably just overstretched. And if they can focus, uh, take it, you know, sell med people, take Andrew's advice, start to focus on what you do best rather than what you hope will work for you and you'll, you'll be a better stock price. That's yeah, sage, yeah, sage advice there, David. David, I might stick with you. Um, similar sort of space, but a very different share price chart. The company is Genetic Signatures, uh, code GSS uh, is their code now. Uh, they make uh, testing uh, products for uh, COVID-19 and uh, they've just received a TGA approval for a new round of testing uh, items that they've got there and they're already uh, getting some distribution out there and, and you know, just like many businesses in this current environment have pivoted quite successfully towards that. Its share price has had a pretty solid rally. Um, can that continue based on uh, where that recent price action has been going, David? Okay, so for me, uh, at the moment, we're looking at a target of, of about $2.90 on a break above $2.75. At the moment, the bit dips to buy are down to $2.01 to $2.02 with a stop loss at $1.90. If it breaks down and you are triggered on that stop loss, uh, then look for uh, look to buy around about $1.60 with that stop loss being at um, where are we with that stop loss being at um, just one second yeah with that stop loss being at one dollar and fifty cents medium term it's a bit over loved uh, I think a pullback down to about two dollars and twenty cents is a good thing to look for and on a if there if it breaks down below two dollars and thirty three cents which I think is likely so this is what the chart looks like at the moment and I have to remember the code uh, GSS wasn't it? Yeah. That was. It. And so at the moment, it's had a couple of tries at new highs. So it's a little bit overloved, and I'd really prefer to get it down in those lower lower levels at that two two dollars to two dollars and twenty cents area. Yeah, that love's been on the back, of course, of anyone involved in COVID nineteen and solving the scourge of which, um, or at least protecting us from it. Um, has uh, just run really hot. So, Andrew, the other stock, again, at the opposite end of the market cap scale, and let's face it, if these businesses couldn't make money in this environment, then they never will. It's Ansel, the code is A-N-N. Uh, they make a whole range of prote uh, protective gear, of course. Um, your thoughts in regards to this business, because it's had a very strong rebound from those March um, lows. Uh, you know, can it, is it sustainable? Because, you know, everyone's saying, yeah, well, of course they're making money now, but will they continue to do so into the future? Do you think that valuation's just run a little bit too hot? Um, yeah. Or is there credence in this uh, well-known uh, company that's not only Australian, of course, it's well and truly all over the world? Yeah, Ansel's been around for ages and they've got a, they've got a pretty good pedigree, actually. They've, they've delivered some really nice um, shareholder returns. Uh, they, it's kind of, it's a very large business, right? So these guys, uh, going at up a single digit rates and that's on average a, a, about right for what it's done for, for quite a while and I think it's not unreasonable to expect uh, that going forward. I think management have a target of five to ten percent earnings per share growth so that's what that's what you're looking at here. There's a lot of companies GSS is probably a good example I don't know it well but you know they've really come into the spotlight because they've got a a product or solution related to COVID, people see it as, as a wonderful boon and, and, and people have piled on. Now, obviously, that's, that is good for Ansel as well. The, the, the demand for uh, PPE, personal protective equipment, is going up and, and that is a good thing for them. But, but this, was, this was never something that was essential for, to, for, for these guys to do well. And I think that even when this whole thing blows over, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later, that um, they'll, they'll still be there. They've got, they've got wonderful scale and they've got a huge amount of R&D. They've ditched the condom business about three years ago, which was a, which was a tough area to be in. They're focused on their core strengths. Um, you know, again, it's about, it's about knowing what you're getting yourself involved with and pricing that appropriately. This isn't an afterpay where sales are gonna double every three months. It's just never gonna happen. But at the same time, I think you could probably realistically look into your crystal ball and say, look, in five years time, on average, there's, there's, there's been some decent growth. Um, and per share earnings above where they are now. And if I'm getting if I'm getting a two percent yield off the back of that, it's not terrible. Um, is it a great is it a great bargain? No, it's not. 
Um, and the, the lower the growth prospects, the more accurate you have to be, the more fastidious you have to be with your valuations. But um, again, for someone who's a long-term investor, I think you could do a lot worse than this. I don't hold it. I'm not looking to hold it, but it's, it's far from terrible. All right, Andrew, I'd be interested whether anyone in your community, if not yourself, are familiar with a company, uh, uh, what are Imogen Biosystems, code is IBX. Now, for those that don't know, and Andrew, just to give you some time to have a look at your network, uh, it's a company that um, uh, has a really unique technology whereby what they do is they're, they're involved in cancer treatment, but rather than necessarily uh, following traditional methods or the curing of, they're at the pre-stage whereby they have these molecules which effectively attach themselves around the cancer in order to allow for more concentrated and direct radiology, um, which is obviously a big risk when treating treatments with cancer that you know you generally you blast an area and hope you get all the cancer cells well here you inject these into the body and these little uh, uh, nano uh, things just go around it and they actually cling onto it and they hug to it and then these receptors sort of allow you to then hone in and they've recently signed an agreement with Siemens who are a very large MRI manufacturer globally um, in order to get their stuff. Now, this is a company on the very small um, area of town, but I thought maybe the innovative technology would have got some punters interested uh, on Strawman. Have they, Andrew, or is it one that uh, people are going to have to look at afterwards? Yeah, no, not really. I mean, the, 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 so much to say. Um, at the outset, I'll say I'm really thankful as a citizen that, that, that companies like this exist. They are doing wonderful work and I wish them every bit of success uh, for that. Um, but uh, this is a sector where history is going to tell you that they, uh, they have uh, the odds are really, really against them. Have I still got you? Everything's gone very quiet. No, I got you, Andrew. You okay, sorry. Okay, yeah, yep, right. you're coming through. Sorry, I'm sorry I was talking to myself. Um, uh, and the thing to remember here is that they are still working through trials. So is the technology promising? Yes, it is. Have they had some early um, signs of success? Yes, they have. But how many companies have been there only to fall away? Are these nanoparticles clinging around anything else? Uh, are there undesirable secondary impacts here and side effects? Well, anyone who's done any time in medical research will tell you this is a very, very tough road to traverse. Um, and then even if you do get your tech through at the end of the day, then you've got to successfully commercialize that as well. So this takes years and years and years and years and years. It's not for someone who's impatient. It takes buckets and buckets of capital. Where does that capital come from? Well, they're not making any money, um, so it comes from shareholders. In fact, um, they bled through $1.6 million in operating cash last quarter. And when I had a look at the balance sheet, they've only got about $1.7 million of cash left. So they've already doubled the number of shares on issue over the last two years. It's certain that they're probably going to have to do something similar going forward. There's, there's two paths here. There's a future where this technology comes through and they successfully commercialize, and this will be seen as a screaming buy and you'll make squillions of dollars. And then there's another history out there where it never really gets there and they just remain stuck in R&D land for a long, long, long time, chewing up shareholder capital. And statistically, that latter scenario is more likely. I don't know enough about the business to say anything more concrete than that, but you have to be aware of those risks going into it. And, and, and just remember here, there's, there's a long way, there's a lot of water that has to go under the bridge before any of this is, is kind of verified. So be very careful, highly speculative. Okay, uh, the other thing I forgot to mention, David, is that it's non-radioactive, these little particles that cling onto the cancer, so that's the other benefit. I will get a brief comment from you in regards to IBS. They're good Klingons. Yeah, good Klingons, very good, yes, live long and prosper, yeah. Uh, look, with regards to um, uh, IBX, but I also want you to dovetail into another company, which, you know, we're all being shut down here in Victoria, of course, and one of the beneficiaries of that is a company, um, 3PL. Uh, which is um, uh, 3P Learning, I think it is. Now, they're a company that uh, deliver online uh, training and education, uh, you know, various things like maths and English, all done online. I will get to Andrew's comment in a moment, but if you could do those two stocks very briefly for me, David, IBX and 3PL. Okay. Well, IBX is kind of maxing out at the moment in terms of its capacity. You probably can't see that on the chart yet. I'll just display that for you. Uh, so I, this this chart here is generally it's been going up great volume on the monthly charts to the upside, 
And yes, that sounds like great. As if it's if it's not radioactive, then that's fantastic for me. Um, you know, even I might have cancer treatment if I get cancer, if that's the case. Um, but a break above five cents uh, would push this into being important area, probably up towards just under eight cents. And I'd, I'd put a stop loss on as an investor below the 3.4 cents area. If you're trading it, uh, short-term trading at the moment, uh, it's good. It's been um, going up on okay volume, but the volume has only been for one day in terms of jumps. So what I'd prefer is if somebody is buying this to have a stop loss just below the 3.2 cents mark, you can buy dips down to the 3.8 cents area. That would be kind of the, the way that I would do that. Now, the other stock, which was called 3PL. Yeah, 3P. Um, let's have a look at that. And um, now, yes, there are millions of people trying to buy wet pams across Australia who are teachers at the moment. Um, I had a bunch of them for sale, actually. And uh, they're, they all seem to be being snapped up. I, I mispriced them. They priced them too, too cheap. <laughs> anyway, in terms of 3PL learning, uh, $1.04 to $1.32 and $1.45 are reasonable areas to expect if it can lift itself above $1 and close above there. Volume is good. Don't mind this at all. And uh, so what my, what my suggestion would be for a stop loss would be probably about the 85 cent mark. At the moment, um, $1.04 is the short term target if you're jumping in for a quick, quick uh, run in and take profit if you're buying that break. And that break in a shorter term would be above 99 cents with a stop loss below 90 cents. All right, Andrew, in 30, yeah, Andrew, in 30 seconds, your view on MPL. A three, sorry, three PL. Three, yeah. Um, so anyone who's got kids would probably be familiar with the, the products here. So this is uh, Mathletics and Reading Eggs. Uh, they're great little products here. They've got a very high penetration in Australia. They're trying to make more of a go over in the US, which is obviously a much larger market. They look to be having some early success there, which is um, which is in very which is very encouraging. Um, a lot of the characteristics that you like to see with these kinds of business. I mean, they're very scalable businesses. You know, if everyone in the world decided they wanted to get onto to Mathletics, well, it doesn't really cost them an extra cent. Maybe a really small amount and some extra server costs, but that's it. So these businesses scale really well. But the challenge for this business is bringing the sales in. Um, I think the whole environment at the moment with what's happening with remote learning is very positive for them. Uh, well, let's see whether they can capitalize on it. It ranks pretty decently in Strawman, although a little bit overvalued. The community valuation at 80 cents versus what, 92 cents at the last close. Excellent, thank you very much for that brief summation. Now, for those that have sent questions through that we couldn't get to answer, on screen today. We will be uh, covering them off on Wednesday, of course, uh, provided we don't get uh, a flood in the questions there and I can't get to them. But thank you very much for sending them through because I need to need leave enough time for this section, which is see the light, uh, which is where we get the chance to get our uh, guests to help us uh, you know, enlighten us in regards to two opportunities that may be worth considering at the moment. So Andrew, I will start with you. Two stocks that you can help us see the light with, please. Yeah, I think one company that's very interesting is Alcidian. The code there is ALC, uh, healthcare informatics company, which basically they make, they make software for hospitals and healthcare professionals. So, so much of the world, if you've ever been to a hospital lately, you've still got the paper chart at the end of the bed. The nurse's ward has got a whiteboard up there with some magnets on it. You know, it's, it's ancient stuff for the year 2020. And there's, there's a structural shift coming uh, in the medical space that is really lagged a lot of other industries in terms of this modernization and, and moving to the cloud. And they've got some really nice software here, but more importantly, they've got runs on the board here. So they're in over 200 hospitals. They've um, uh, got a toehold in the UK market. The NHS has actually got a mandated minimum spend on this area as they're trying to digitize everything there. Um, some really um, uh, strong sales growth, which is really encouraging here. And again, should they, should they maintain that sales trajectory, the business should scale extremely well. So this is a, this is a business that um, is still cash flow negative, but they are right on the cusp. And what, one thing that people who you know me will know is that I love businesses that are on the point of an, uh, on an inflection point as they mm. transition through that. 
they start to a lot, get a lot more attention here and you start to see the bottom line growing a lot faster than the top line as well, particularly when you've got a business with a good deal of operating leverage in there. Um, so there's a lot more to be said, but go to, go to Strollman and you'll see a bunch of really smart people giving you their, their insights. Uh, the other one I wanted to talk about, which I've talked about before, is EnviroSuite. Uh, this is very popular on Strawman when it was sort of around the five to ten cent mark, um, and it went all the way up to thirty odd cents or so. In which case, uh, a lot of people took the chance to to take profits, which I think was the right thing to do. Since then, it's come back a bit. They've made a giant acquisition, probably better described as a reverse takeover uh, of EMS. They're looking to get a hundred million in revenue in the next three years. They're looking to be a bit uh, positive. These guys do uh, environmental monitoring software. Um, and there is a huge growing demand for that. It's one of these areas that's really interesting. It's a relatively small Aussie company, but genuinely world leader in this, in this niche. Uh, the kind of niche that the big Silicon Valley companies are, you know, aren't going to bother with, but is, well, there is still great potential. So um, I, think, I think that there'll been they'll be, the, they'll be the overnight success that's sort of been 20 years in the making, but sort of around this sort of 15, 16, 17 cent mark, I think it's good value. I think more realistically, these shares should be priced at at least 20 cents and, and longer term, I think there's, there's really exciting potential. Strong balance sheet, lots of recurring revenue, one to take a closer look at. All right, David, you've got uh, about 60 seconds on each one. What two stocks are you telling your uh, Profit Hunters members are uh, setting themselves upright for the minute? Well, this is this is going to stun a few people. Um, the banks. <laughs> oh, you've got to be kidding me. No, go it's on. Tell, tell us why, but be quick. Not because I don't want to know about it, but uh, I'm running out of time. Come on, this is not a long-term perspective. This is because <laughs> this, these ones are... This is not a lot. These are the, the CBA's next one to pay dividends. It's the one to look for. You're looking at the chart now. We've seen it test the bottom of the range a couple of times. It's going up to the top end of the range, probably around $19.35. Uh, this, sorry, this is ANZ you were looking at here, and um, maybe $20. So that's um, ANZ I'm, I'm keen on at the moment. Stop loss is below $18. And CBA. You can see here, should it close above $72.50, it'll be on the way up to $76.68. We've been having a target for that probably for the past five weeks. So at the moment, uh, CBA is on target. It's my preferred bank. If you want to do another bank, it's ANZ. Uh, NAB is the third one. And, and really further down the rear is Westpac. I'm not touching Westpac at the moment, but yeah, that's, that should shock a few of the punters out there and the odd investor as well. But um, CBA, it's got something for the time being. Excellent, David. Well, that's why we go to you because, of course, you do think out of the box. And again, as always, your contribution has been really appreciated. So that was David Hunt from Profit Hunters Group. Thanks very much for joining us this afternoon. Yes. And to you, Andrew Page from Strawman, once again, thank you for your contribution. And again, on behalf of all of us, congratulations on your milestone. And we look forward to some more COVID-19 exponential growth for uh, Strawman members in the not-too-distant future. Thank you. Thanks, Elio. Good to be here. Now, on Wednesday, folks, joining us will be Simon Bond from Morgan's Financials. And we're going to have another spotty debutante. That's Michael Gable from Fairmont Equity. So he'll be joining in on the fun. Thanks again to our sponsors, ShareWealth Systems, for agreeing to keep the lights on for another round. And remember to go to sharewealthsystems.com in order to learn how they help investors every single day, not just two days a week. In fact, we're moving to three days a week next week. So that's very exciting, mainly because of the, the massive amount of questions we get. And again, a reminder, if I didn't get to yours today, I'll get to them on Wednesday. Thanks again to Ticker for letting us take an hour of prime time. Uh, thanks to Mike for pushing all the right buttons behind me. Stay tuned for the Ben Robbo and Robbo Show, which is up next. Until next time, I'm Elio D'Amato. You've been watching Spotty, and together we've been shining the spotlight on shares. Take care, everyone. There are now more ways to watch Ticker. Download our apps for Apple and Android devices. We're live on Twitter and YouTube Live. And you can catch us on Amazon Alexa and Google Home. Head to the Ticker website for more. We all have a big idea. Uh, when I was a kid, I actually wanted to be a builder. Everyone working outside, music playing. When I was a kid, I wanted to be an ice cream man who offered free refill. But what does it really take to be an entrepreneur? you got to have balls. To be a startup founder, it's definitely not for everyone. It's ins insanely challenging. No, balls and brains. A brand new show to inspire bright ideas. You know, being really determined and resilient to make it happen. The show is for people in our position, in the trenches, you know, trying to build a brand. The real story about startup life 
from the guys who founded Bay Juice. The best day of our life with Bay Juice is when Dan Murphy's called us to say we're going to trial your product in the store. It is the insane amount of challenges, but we always see the light at the end of the tunnel. Ticker Launch with Liam Gostinick and Tim O'Sullivan. Every week on Ticker. Hey, good morning. Ticker's new breakfast show. Well, most of the time in the morning, I annoy people. I think Ben is so fabulous. He is wild, he is warm, he is witty. The first time I met Alana, I realised I wanted to have a drink with her. So you never know what's going to come out of his mouth. Kick off your morning with Ticker Jumpstart. We are playing in uncharted territory. This preparation takes me all night. It doesn't matter how long I take, because Ben will always take longer. <laughs> Ticker Jumpstart with Benjamin Norris and Alana McLean. You're going to get some different stuff with us and we're going to be unapologetic for it. You do realise it's the morning, so you don't need to be the human coffee. Introducing Ticker Sport. Mate, how exciting is it to kick off Ticker Sport? Mate, I'm as pumped as you, which is pretty pumped. We're here to talk sport, business, there's a market, there's a niche. It's David Davidovich and Adrian Franklin tackling the biggest issues. Mate, we're talking sport, but we're talking business as well. And as you know, right now, there is no more important time. The world has changed and we are here to react. Where nothing's off limits. This is unprecedented. We've never seen sport ground to a halt like it has. Sport's heading in a completely different direction and we will be at the forefront. Every Friday, live on Ticker and on demand via the Ticker apps. Ben, Rob and Robbo. Streaming across the globe. Ben Norris.